Welcome to the Future of Advertising, where this show has been designed to meet our most adventurous explorers in media and marketing and all that orbits our world. We're going to have great conversations that spark curiosity and that lead listeners to what's next. I'm Luke Lambert, and this is Red Talks. Today, we're joined by John Gentry, aka JG, CEO of OpenX, and Amanda Forster, Vice President of Marketing for OpenX. Now, uh, JG, CEO of OpenX, is a global leader in web and mobile advertising technology focused on unleashing the full economic potential of digital media companies. As a programmatic person myself, uh, I've known all about JG and his platform for pretty much as long as the word programmatic has existed. You know, John was president of SpotRunner. He's a developer of the Malibu Media Platform, which is an online media exchange that simplifies the buying and selling of television media. Uh, John has spent the last 20 plus years leading innovative companies in the technology and advertising space. And he holds a BA in poli-sci from U of Cal at LA and an MBA from Kellogg School of Management here in Chicago, where I sit at Northwestern University. And Amanda, our VP of Marketing, is um, in her role setting the strategic direction and oversees global execution across all marketing and brand channels, including corporate sales and product marketing. You know, prior to joining OpenX, Forrester led product marketing at Ampersand, a subsidiary of Comcast, Spectrum, and Cox. Previously, she held global marketing and sales roles at the New York Times, Omnicom Media Group's Analect, and IAS, our friends at Integral Ad Science. So thank you both so much for joining this OMD Red Talks. And um, I'm super excited for this conversation because I think the timing is just so right for it. So today we're going to dive in to discuss the kind of greening, air quote greening of the digital ad tech industry, how companies like OpenX are reducing carbon emissions produced from ad transactions, which is always kind of difficult to maybe wrap your brains around. We're going to really try and get into the why, why these new industry standards for sustainability are crucial to campaign performance, not just to being green, but to crucial to campaign performance and overall business success. So again, thank you both for being here. Really excited to have this chat. So let's get into it. Um, so first and foremost, can you guys share with us your your background, your journey into working at OpenX? JG, obviously, I think yours is a bit more clear, but you know, what are some key differences in that journey here between OpenX in 2012 versus today, OpenX in 2023, headed into 2024 in just a few short weeks? Sure. Look, I'll jump in since I've been around uh, for quite a while, as you, as you point out. You know, when I first came in, pro programmatic was very young. And I think probably the biggest thing that I've noticed in programmatic, which I saw in my earlier career in the search businesses example, is really the evolution of kind of the pieces of the marketplace that need to be put in place. So uh, an easy example is quality. When I first joined OpenX, there was all kinds of domains all over the landscape. And there really wasn't a lot of structure in terms of how we thought about quality and how we really evaluated websites and whether or not an advertiser would want to appear on them. You know, we've come a tremendous way in terms of what quality is and how we define that over time. And, you know, increasingly, we're starting to think about new dimensions of quality. Uh, you know, we're going to talk today about sustainability, which I think falls into that bucket. Uh, I think the other dimension is kind of the how things have changed in terms of the competitive environment. Uh, we were the guys that invented header bidding, which really kind of broke the stronghold that, that Google had on a lot of programmatic advertising. And that's that's been fun to watch and see the rise of independence and how that works over time. Uh, so, you know, it's really been exciting. And I think also just the development of the industry itself, which is from 2012, the number of people that are in it, 
the focus around it has really gotten pretty incredible. So it's been a really fun ride. Okay. Sure, it has. I've been around for it as well. Um, but it's kind of great to hear that word quality coming out of more and more folks' brains. So thanks for thanks for saying it. Amanda, how about uh, how about you here? I'd love to hear from you. So I'm on the flip side. I've been here for one year now. I just celebrated my one year anniversary. And for me, it's not so much about OpenX's journey, but sort of the comparison to the rest of the industry. I've been on the publisher side. I've worked at a DSP. I've worked for some technology and data providers. I've been agency side. And at every company I've worked for, there's this incredible outside pressure that impacts both the approach and disclosure to approach for some of the initiatives that, such as sustainability. And at OpenX, there's very much a culture of, we always try to do the right thing. And that approach allows us to take a lot of risks and innovate. And in the instance of sustainability, it has uh, resulted in tangible, measurable results. I love anytime something is tangible and measurable, how very programmatic of us, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which look, I, I think um, I used to call it the curse of accountability um, that, that almost exclusively ap applied to digital and programmatic channels because you could hold it to a different standard than you could with, with television and broadcast channels that were a bit more traditional, harder to measure. And so you had to take a bit of a, you know, test, learn, assume approach, look back over six months or a year sometimes with models and say this did or didn't work at a very high level. And so that accountability now coming into this space, I think is is really well-timed, but also incredibly important because what we're accountable for should be more and more things um, as the marketplace continues to move. So it's also, you know, fantastic to hear that, that big C word, the culture uh, portion of the business and how doing the right thing and taking these risks is kind of ingrained into what OpenX does. So, you know, uh, it was a good year for y'all, right? You're recognized as the first company in advertising and technology and media sectors to receive independent verification. Um, it's met the net zero standard requirements. So given that OpenX is 100% cloud-based exchange and recently received that net zero cert, can you maybe break down I don't know. Let's, let's start with the simple one. How, how did you accomplish this? How did you get to the point we're at today? Sure. It's, um, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. It's a journey. Um, this goes well, all the way back for us uh, five years ago to 2018, when we were thinking about mo moving from on-prem into the cloud. And as we talked to companies like Microsoft and Google and AWS, we realized that with some of these companies, there was an opportunity to tap into a huge amount of renewable energy and really start to think about sustainability at a macro level for the company. Uh, to that end, so we ended up going down the road with GCP, which is the largest uh, buyer of renewable energy in the world and, and really the, the greenest cloud, if you will. And at that point, we said, this is interesting. It's something we want to ex explore. And then we got into 2020 and we, we, we did the replatforming in 2019. With 2020 came COVID. And COVID gave many businesses, including ourselves, the chance to test the reality of remote work, right? Nobody is, as many CEOs said, nobody would have, would have just moved everybody out of their office overnight. But because of COVID, we did that. And what we found was it worked great for us. You know, we're not a huge company. We're about 300 employees. But that remote work worked really well for us and really changed a lot of our profile in terms of carbon emissions because we didn't have the same dynamic with all the commuting and everything else going on. So we started to lean into and say, like, what is, how does this work? What is this thing? And in diving in, what we learned, and at least I learned, I should say, 
is that sustainability and, and, and carbon emissions management and green has been around for a long time. You know, I've, I've been in digital media for 20 years, and I don't think anybody ever mentioned the word to me until a couple of years ago. But outside of us, when you think about airlines and you think about oil companies, there's uh, global standards that have been established for a very long time on how to do this stuff. So what we did, the first thing we did is say, we got to get smart and understand how to navigate this. And we went out and got an expert, a gentleman by the name of Bill Westcott. Uh, and Bill was one of the original authors of the Greenhouse Gas Protocols. He's the guy that came up with the concept of scope free. And, uh, and we kind of said to him, look, we've made a lot of moves here that we think have really driven down. We know have driven down our emissions. But how do we do this in a way that is third party verified in a way that we can, you know, we can push this um, with integrity, right? Not not just throw out a bunch of press releases and wave our hands. Um, and so he led us down the path that companies go down. And what that path is, the first thing is to go out and understand how do you measure your own emissions? Before you start looking around you at all, like how do you understand your own emissions? And that's a greenhouse gas inventory. And we built a plan for what that looked like. We went through the entire company, we identified where our sources of emissions were. For example, we're not burning coal, we're an electricity driven company. Um, and then once we had the greenhouse gas emissions measured, we actually realized our measurements were really strong because of the stuff we'd done in terms of going to the cloud, going to remote. Um, and so we started down the process of building a plan to further reduce emissions. We got into what we did in travel, we consolidated all of our offices and shrunk them. We had 10 offices globally. Now we have four, we lowered that footprint. Um, and what that gave us was, okay, now we're reducing emissions. But anytime you're doing this, you've got to go look externally and say, how do I, how do I check myself? So we went out to a group called Climate Impact Partners. And with the combination of the reductions we'd made and then the investments we made in high quality carbon offsets, and this is a nebulous area that's been written about a lot, but high quality carbon offsets plus our reductions, they certified us as a carbon neutral company. That was our first step. And then, and that was kind of our active stage. We were carbon neutral. The next thing we did, and I'm sorry I'm going on a bit here, but it, it was a process. The next thing we did is we went out and worked with SBTI, um, which is basically the global standard in serious reduction of emissions. Most companies have made commitments around how much they're going to reduce emissions by SBTI. We set those standards in place for us, and we knew we had a pretty good shot of going after them, and we wanted to go after them, but we wanted to do it again according to global standards. And we went out and did the work after that, combining both what we'd already done plus the changes we'd made to reduce our emissions, which then led to our actual emissions calculations under SBTI. And to the best of our knowledge, and we're not staking this claim, but this is what we think, we think we're the first company, potentially globally for sure in media and technology, that's actually hit the bar of SBTI, which is that we lowered our emissions by 96%. So that was at 1918, uh, sorry, 2018 to 2021. Um, and then we got that verified by a group called RSK, because SBTI currently doesn't um, verify, they provide the standard, a group called RSK came in and verified that we'd hit the standard. So that was our journey through 21. And it's been a, uh, it's been a really interesting journey. And I think that the theme you'll see with us is rather than trying to figure out what we think is going to do a good job of reducing carbon, we wanted to go out and have third-party experts, because this category has existed for decades, set the path for us, 
verify us at the standards, check how we measured and kind of march that way. And honestly, as a CEO, I would not have discussed any of this outside of the company had we not had third-party verification every step of the way. Accountability. So yep. word again. Yeah, it's great to it's great to hear. You dropped some uh, acronyms there. If you know, oh, I'm great. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know a bit more about uh, what what some of these are. So you, you, at the very beginning, I think you said JCP um, or GCP, um, the world's largest uh, in renewable energy. Can you tell me? Maybe, yeah, maybe we don't need it. Yeah. A Google Cloud platform. That's where we ended up going fully in the cloud with Google. And Google is the world's largest acquirer of renewable energy. I wonder if anybody on this call or anybody listening out there knew that. I did not. So uh, not the not the JCP part, but the Google being the largest part. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. So a bit of friend of me there. How about, um, I know scope three, maybe our listeners don't. So what can you tell me about scope three and uh, Will Westcott's role? Sure. So scope three, really, when you think about it, you've got scope one. These are the classifications in the greenhouse gas world. Scope one is you're burning something right? You're burning coal, you're, you're burning something. Scope two is you're not burning something directly. You're indirect with, in our case, it's electricity, right? Our whole company runs on electricity. Scope three starts to look beyond what you're burning, what your emissions are, into what's happening with your partners, right? So how do you think about the, the emissions that come as a result of what you're doing in the marketplace? So those are kind of the three big buckets under the greenhouse gas protocol. Got it. Dig it. Um, hopefully everybody else out there hears how clear that was. I think it's really simple to think about it that way. You're burning something, you're doing something, your partners are doing something. So helpful, I think. And then the last one, tell me more about these standards from uh, SBTI and uh, RSK's verification of those standards. It's nice to hear that there's even within our own taking of accountability that third parties also have an additional layer of accountability, right? So no one's kind of, all this is SOX compliance, if you will, right? Yeah, it's really, a, it's, it's a fascinating process. And SBTI in general says that by, if you commit by 2050, you're going to lower your emissions by 90%. And many companies have an interim goal, which is 50% by 2030. So those are kind of the SBTI standards as they exist today. And, they, and they're slightly different for uh, smaller companies. We're classified as a smaller company with 300 employees versus what someone like uh, ExxonMobil might have to go through. Um and then when you think about kind of some of the, there's a lot of entities out there. I mentioned uh, LQRA, which verified our measurements of our of our greenhouse gases, or RSK, which is a, a established environmental consulting firm that verified our SBTI status. Um, but you know, it's what I'm seeing already in the programmatic industry is a lot of people coming up with this is how we're going to do sustainability. And I think that there's a lot of good in that, and that people are thinking about it and, and trying to figure out new and different ways to lower carbon. But I think at the same time, as an industry, as we reach out, when we think about a large brand coming to talk to OMD or coming to talk to uh, OpenX, that brand is going to be complying with global standards. They're not going to be working on something unique within the, within the programmatic ecosystem. They're going to want to understand how do you measure your emissions? How do you verify your emissions? Do you publish your emissions annually? And that's, so there's a process, and we felt it was important to line up to how the world's doing it versus go do kind of an ad-centric approach ourselves. I like it. So you said the consulting word, so another another big C in the room. Um, BCG, I think they're friends of all of ours. We've worked with them as uh, client auditors and even um, somewhat a 
I'll call them marketing professionals at this point, they are telling us some real numbers that the internet is responsible for roughly 1 billion tons of greenhouse gases a year. And we talk about we're electric uh, company or electricity is where it's coming from. And that's some of the numbers they're talking about. But, you know, our advertisers obviously have their own scope initiatives. Um, I think they look at advertising today and don't necessarily think about, you know, what is the role of me as a marketer doing um, to, to greenhouse emissions? And I think you guys are telling us right now that, well, there is something you could be doing and it's not just working with us, but we have a way of working with you to make this very real and tangible. So from your POV, and I, I like these conversations because they are you know, personal, right? I want to hear your opinion of this as well as like what you've learned, but you know, your POV for how advertisers kind of to date have been equating these carbon emissions. So how would you advise maybe some of our clients to start reducing or offsetting that digital footprint that we know is very real? And that, and I don't want to ignore you, Amanda. So as, as the marketer of us marketers, I'd really like to hear from you as well on this. Yeah, so I'll jump in in the beginning because I think that how advertisers are approaching us and sort of how they're measuring, I probably have a little more insight into that because I respond to a few more of the RFPs and RFIs that we get. And we really see two approaches. There's one that's coming from big brands that is that corporate approach that's asking, are we aligned with the Paris Accords? Do we publicly report these numbers? Can we have a copy of your emissions reporting so that they can take them and measure them against their own results and ladder them back up to their corporate initiatives and corporate strategies. And then we have the other side, which is the more traditional media and marketer side that's like, hey, we've decided we're going to go with our own metrics and we have our own approach. How do you guys partner with third-party verification partners within the space? What does that look like? Is that the same or is that different from these other things that people are talking about? And there's been a lot of conversations around offsetting and is it good and is it bad and some of that stuff as well. Should I pry it on, should I prod on that offsetting? Yeah, go ahead. Is it good or is, is it good or is it bad? What's your opinion? Is it good or is it bad? Is offsetting good or bad? It's good. It's good. So it's not enough, but it's good. I think that sometimes we get caught up in the we need to be perfect, everything has to be the best it can possibly be. And sometimes just starting is enough, right? So I, what I like to say for advertisers and marketers in general, there are like three big things you need to do. And one is educate yourself as an organization as an, and as an individual. Like I grew up, I went to a really crunchy Quaker school, super sustainable. We grew our own food. It was like a whole thing. And I showed up at OpenX and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into sustainability. I read things. And they're like, great, we're carbon neutral and net zero. And I was like, what's the difference? They both sound fine. Like, <laughs> Is there a difference? And it's like, you know, carbon neutral is offsetting to get to a goal and being net zero is reducing 90% and then offsetting the remainder. Just that basic level of knowledge I didn't have before I came here. And it took me research and partnering with people and understanding our corporate POV and just starting there as an organization is important to also be able to wade through some of the like greenwashing that's already happening in our industry. Like you'll see a press release out there that's like net zero. And then you read it and it's like, we set a target and it's like, okay, you didn't do the work. That's not really, that doesn't really count. Lots of people have targets. Um, so there's that piece. And then it's, they need to measure their own emissions. They don't necessarily need to publicly report them. That would be great. 
But if you measure your own emissions, you can also set goals internally and better evaluate your partners. And then the third is to like require your tech partners and platforms to go through these really fairly intensive RFIs and RFPs, right? And that includes both the measurement vendors and your actual platforms. Because what I like to say is be skeptical. We're still in the infancy of this. And there are a lot of people who are pushing and like I sit on the IAB tech lab committee meetings and ad net zero meetings. And like, it's still very early days. There are a lot of people who are advocating for a single standard in media measurement for sustainability. I personally don't really believe in that, right? Like I used to work at Integral Ad Science or IAS. We were measured via the MRC for viewability. That doesn't mean IAS's viewability works. It doesn't mean double verifier DV's viewability works. It means they say they're doing what they said they were going to do. And that's what sustainability from a media measurement perspective should be in this industry. And there should be competition so that we as consumers, as marketers, as advertisers get the best possible algorithms results. And then it's up to the advertiser or marketer to determine, hey, is scope three the best data partner? Is Sadara the best media partner? Is good loop the best partner for me because at the end of the day there needs to be healthy competition and methodology if we're going to make up our own metrics and media and not go by the global standards you can do both in tandem but i think as an industry instead of trying to focus on this like hey let's get to a standard measurement we're looking for a silver bullet when a silver bullet likely does not exist right like we're going to learn things about how people emit and how we're measuring today. And in 50 years, people are gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that, right? But like, it's good enough to just start. And that's why I also say that like offsetting isn't a bad thing because for some companies, like they don't have the resources, the in-house teams, the energy to dedicate towards doing a full greenhouse gas emissions report or measuring or going through these complex RFI processes. So it's like, if you don't, then start with offsetting. Start with using a media verification partner, offset emissions on that media campaign. Like it's good enough. It's it's making a difference. It's better than doing nothing. It is better than doing nothing. Action always wins. So I'm thinking now that it's organizations within organizations within organizations, like this nesting doll of who is making what decision, how that information makes it from one you know, bucket of accountability into the business accountability, into the cultural accountability. It, it, it kind of just keeps going, right? And so if you as a marketer, and this is the proverbial you, right? A marketer doesn't necessarily have the keys to the kingdom on how they're going to make that input impact and deliver maybe the commitment that folks are making, right? So your net zero example, I think is a good one, right? You committed to it, but did you do it yet? Um, let's say that our client, Acme, making anvils for years, obviously you have to burn to, to make those anvils um, so they can drop them on the heads of coyotes. And I know Andrew loves that. I always use these kind of analogies, uh, particularly the ones of, of a roadrunner and a coyote, but client, Acme anvils, they're trying to figure out what role marketing is really responsible for and how they can maybe use that information. Um, but they don't know. They don't know where to start, right? The, the the marketing client that I work with has been a marketer their entire lives, entire careers. And the, at the end of the day, they're like, I don't know anything about this emissions thing. I really don't. I know personally what it means. I've, I've got my electric car, 
but I don't even know how to think about it. What do I bring to the board? What do I tell people in my organization of what we can help deliver against that number? Right. You guys are seeing this, right? Because you're the ones. So what are people doing? How are they, how are they actually like getting to a number that they can be accountable for? And how are they putting that on goals and roadmaps? I know we're a little bit off track, but I think it's an important question. Manny, you want to take that? You want me to take it? I'll start and then you can follow up because I'm sure you'll have, they're bringing in experts. They're joining groups like AdNet Zero and IAB Tech Lab and stuff like that who are bringing it and the ANA. So there's also the ANA Sustainability Committee. Um, I, I also, part, I'm also on that. But when you bring in all of these experts, they're providing education to the marketers because again, we're marketers. This isn't necessarily what we went to school for. So there's that piece of it. And I also find that just reaching out to people and asking them the number of sustainability leads who are not sustainability leads or people who I've partnered with or met through just being on these meetings. And we're like, hey, do you have time to catch up afterwards? What are you guys doing? How can you help us? And we get that too with some of the CMOs we work with. Like when we came back from Cannes, we had some really interesting conversations there. And a lot of them reached out to us after and they're like, where can we start? And we were like, hey, potentially hire someone, bring them in. Here's some RFI questions that you guys can start with to start sending out to your partners to give you a baseline metric. It's a very collaborative space. Um, and I think that that's something that's really positive and potentially unique because, you know, we're not trying to compete with others. If all of our competitors start publicly reporting their emissions and become net zero, that's a win right? That's not something where it's like, we want to be the differentiator. We want to hold this to ourselves. It's like, no, come join us, jump in. The water is warm because like we either all win or we all lose when it comes to sustainability and like the net zero targets. So this is not something that's more proprietary, like an algorithm or a product launch or something like that. Yeah. I'll just, look, I'll just say that Amanda just laid it out really clear. I think that the, the themes that I think about are First and foremost, dive into measurement, right? It all starts there. If you don't have any idea of what you're emitting and you don't have any idea what your partners are emitting, uh, you, that's kind of where once you see that, you can start to identify things you can do. Second, I think embracing global standards because this has been around for a long time. And then also to Amanda's point, that does not mean you shouldn't embrace a lot of the industry standards as well and a lot of the industry approaches. I think we can do both. And uh, and I would just echo what you said around, around knowledge, like, Lean into it. We work in a very complicated industry that most of us cannot explain to our mothers. Um, we can certainly are smart enough to dive in and start to understand this stuff. So that would be my last point. Yeah. So speaking of our mothers, my, my mother was a Chicago firefighter. Um, my father was a union organizer and a bricklayer. So when I tried to explain programmatic advertising, obviously it was really easy. Um, so I, I, I get it, right? We face these challenges of complex industry, complex problems, sometimes complex solutions. Um, so when you, when you're able to simplify and help people kind of get to, um, get on board, really, that's step one, get people on board, make sure they understand the capabilities that are out there. What does it mean to take advantage of a capability? Um, but when you do, there's benefits, but there's also drawbacks. So I'm not a negative person, but I'd love to hear about the drawbacks because these are the things that you're probably hearing more often than not, right? When you make this move, when you think you're going to do this, what's the drawback? What should we, what should we be thinking about? I'll jump in on this one, Amanda, just because I want to hit one, which is fear. Um, mm -hmm. uh, 
I thought long and hard before we went to market with everything we'd done. Uh, and the reason is, is that it is so easy to run into somebody or someone who wants to say, you're not doing it perfect. You're not doing it right. And, and that's not helpful at all to this process. We need everybody to try, and it's going to be okay if it's not exactly right. Uh, one of the things we just did is we measured our emissions in 2022. And as a company that's growing, it's inevitable that our emissions will grow. And our emissions in 2022 were, I think, and Amanda can correct me, approximately double what they were in 21. Now, they're still below the net zero standard, so we're still you know, way ahead of the game in terms of what we've done. But it was important to us as a company to point out, like, this is going to be a challenging process. There's going to be ups and downs. There's core things. Like if a company grows, it's really hard to not grow your emissions. Um, but I think we've got to break that layer of fear and get people being open about what's going on with their emissions. How are they trying to solve problems? What's working and what's not? Because only if we can get to that open dialogue or we can make a lot of progress. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of companies, and I understand why, that that sit back and say, I don't, I don't want to necessarily publicize any of this stuff because I don't want the rock throwers to come after me and say that I did this wrong or that wrong, or they saw one of my employees with a plastic water bottle. Um, so I, I think that's one of the big things on my side. Fear. That's real. And then on my side, when you're talking about performance, the idea that sustainability and better business results can't and don't go hand in hand, I think we need to let go of. And I also think we need to think about those like two paths, right? There is the corporate path, like, what are you doing as a corporation? And then there's the, who are your media measurement partners, your scope threes, your Sidaras, your good loops, right? Because like for us, we started this sustainability journey by making our business better. We migrated to a cloud-based platform to be more secure, to be faster, to make sure that our platform was working better, not necessarily for the sustainability aspects, but the business impact means that we're able to process more impressions, do it more quickly, when more often with the DSP that we're plugged into, like the results are better for our clients that were 100% cloud-based. Then you have the media measurement side. And today, again, it's in its infancy, still something people should do. But if the methodology of the provider is simply to cut out media providers that they think are processing um, impressions inefficiently or have complicated ads.txt files, you might run into performance issues. Not always, but if you're measuring on click-through rate and you cut out all the MFA flight sites, you're going to have a different result. And so some of this is going to be, should we measure things the same way we measured them before? Is the performance that we think we're getting really that performance? And I know that Omnicom and Analect have really complicated MMM and MTA models that help you inform how you buy to make sure that you're buying the right types of media. But not everyone's doing that, right? And so there are multiple things that need to happen when people are thinking about sustainability and performance. They need to say, okay, am I using an efficient platform? Is it working for me? Is that improving my important performance? And can I check the box there and say, hey, I'm working with a net zero platform. Good, I'm reducing. And then there's the immediate measurement side. And it's like, is cutting out these this type of publisher or these types of publishers the right path for me? 
And am I setting the right goals in terms of performance? Like, should my goal really be click through or should it be sales or should it be website visits or what should that goal be? And all of that goes back into performance um, in terms of like how we think about it within a sustainability framework. Okay. So we are talking all about sustainability initiatives. We've got our friends from OpenX here. We've gone through quality and culture and COVID and the nature of remote, remote work changing some of these things. And now we're talking about frameworks on ultimate measurement and accountability. I want to go back to something you guys said earlier, because I think it's important that folks know that that lean-in is out there, that partnership exists for a reason. And that's the reason we use this. But you mentioned the word framework. And inside of that framework, I think you earlier were talking about the questions. Right? What are the questions you should be asking? You said, hey, here's the RFI that you can put into market with some of our partners. Can you give me maybe I, most RFIs I've ever seen are anywhere from 100 questions to three, uh, to three, three questions. So what are maybe some of the three questions that are on that RFI that our clients should be thinking about? Matt, you want to take that? Don't all jump at once. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd say one is, are you currently measuring your emissions output? And then like, you know, if yes, can you share them? Because then if I'm the advertiser, if I'm someone else, I can just sit, take it apples to apples and be like, this is how much this company output. This is how much this other company output, right? Yeah. Do you have quality media measurement partners that you would recommend? So like, are you integrated with Scope 3, Sidara, Goodloop, those types of folks? And do you have any information about potentially their methodologies? And then hmm, number three... What's the one that no one wants to answer? No one wants to answer the measurement question, right? <laughs> People don't want to answer because it's hard. It's complicated. And then I would say, are you ver is your measurement independently verified by anyone, right? Because then that's the one people really don't want to answer because it's expensive, right? Like a lot of these things are expensive and they cost money and like they're not sexy and you send through the report and people are like, what even is this? And it's like, just highlight the number at the bottom. Like, here's your consolidated into two pages. Here you go. Right. Um, it's not sexy. Like, it's not, it's not silver bullety. It's not like, hey, can I just check the box and keep moving with my life? It's like, how does this fit into my broader strategy? And what do I need? I probably need to do more work once I get this information. So not sexy and not simple. Not um, sexy and not simple. And having worked in new business, you know, that's not always what you want to see when you send out an RFI and get a response. You're not like, and now I have to do more work, right? Yeah, absolutely. JJ, look, if you want to jump in there. Oh, no, I think I think Amanda hit it on the screws. The only thing I would throw out is I think that I'd, I'd ask the verification question, right? In any part of that chain that Amanda just walked through, you know, have you verified your emissions? You know, like... Because that's that's the one that kind of calls out if you know if you got someone in the back room who's having fun with numbers, or whether or not somebody's actually come in and looked and verified, and it also aligns with global standards. So, I would just throw that one in the mix as well. Yeah. Okay. So look, we've we've had a 
bit of a heavy conversation. You know, sometimes we we have really light ones and it's um, very artsy. Um, this was one of our more science-driven chats. And I think it's a great way to kind of go into the year with some of this idea of good and ending a rather, you know, we'll just call it a three-year run of, of less than good uh, in our world. And I think that this was a really great conversation on all things good that, that can come of making some of these harder decisions and leaning into what could be. Um, I'd love to just kind of get one last crack at the word quality. And we've talked about performance and we've talked about output. I'm wondering what's the input here of, of, of quality and the impact of it. And the reason I'm, here's why I'm asking this question, because I think some context is helpful. Brand safety was really popular for a while. And then it became brand safety and suitability and uh, the work that we've done with the APB and, and GARM to get to a new framework and, and, and a floor uh, that we can all be accountable to. But I've started to think more about the perspective and the purpose that a brand has and how that can come forward as a new brand safety, right? If you can put brand safety here and then become more brand purposeful, safety is inherently baked into that. With purpose requires quality and with output requires purpose, right? Those kind of things are a bit of a dynamic. What should maybe clients be looking for in a partnership with the likes of OpenX when it comes to finding some of that brand purpose? Like, I, I mean, really creating it because it's it can be difficult to look at a media investment and find purpose in that investment. I think this is a great way to do it, but you tell me, is, is, is there an easier way to kind of talk about this with clients to say, hey, this is about the purpose that you're trying to get done as a, as a brand, not just as a, a media buy? Amanda, you or me? I mean, I'm always happy to start. I came here because of purpose, right? And OpenX's approach just in general. You know, we're a large SSP, but we're not the biggest. And that's intentional because we strike direct deals and partnerships with the people who matter most, right? And the brands uh, to keep the open web free, right? It's not every single publisher out there. It's a lot of them. Because in order to support the open web, you need to support a lot, but it's not everything. It's what's going to drive performance at the end of the day for brands and advertisers, because they're not going to bid on everything. And so working with partners that prioritize quality and directness and sustainability and things that ultimately we believe will drive better results for advertisers, I think aligns well with marketers and what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, like we we want to be closer to the decisions that matter. We want to prove that we're revenue generating. We're not just pretty pictures and ads and those things. We're making money for companies. We're helping them differentiate themselves and how we do that matters and who we partner with to do that matters in my eyes, especially as we approach younger generations like millennials and Gen Z and A, double A. A, Al a, the alpha, alphas, yeah. alpha, yeah. alpha generation, and then whatever, you know, my daughter will be because she's one, right? Like, I don't think she quite falls in alpha. She might be even outside of that. So I think that as we get closer to that purpose and why we do things matters and just like having that intention and that culture at companies, that's like our goal is to do the right thing matters. Love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in. I, I think the um, a lot of the genesis for us taking this path was internal. 
And if anything, I underestimated, we underestimated the degree to which our team would be excited about the moves we're making in sustainability. When we do employee surveys, uh, everybody is thrilled about the things that we've done. And a lot of people contribute ideas and things we can do differently. So we, we saw a lot of internal reasons to do this. One of the reasons we went external and started talking about what we're doing more externally was we realized that this was a big piece of purpose for a lot of brands out there. And our ability to work with them and align, and we've seen everything. We've seen people, we walk in the room and talk about sustainability, and they're like, you know, go away, right? Or talk to me later. But we've seen a lot that light up and say, this really matters to us. And it's great that you're doing this. And we never thought about how to connect what we're trying to do as a brand all the way through our actual vendor chain. Like that just wasn't in our, it wasn't in our framework. It wasn't in our way of thinking, but that's a really interesting idea. And so we've seen in many, many cases, uh, a lot of brands that, that this was a part of their purpose and how they see themselves or, and also important to their consumers and customers. And they've been excited about the idea of kind of linking that purpose out through, uh, you know, the broader advertising ecosystem. So I think that's, and that's foundationally one of the best things that we've got going for us as an industry is that so many brands and so many consumers care about this. That's a, a really good tailwind and kind of wave to help us push this through the industry. Well, look, guys, this is this has been a great chat. So first and foremost, thank you again for for coming here and having the conversation with me about how we look at uh, the, the greening of, of the space that we work in. And I love that we got to end on a um, high note and talk about a tailwind of purpose and where we're going to take this next. Um, I've certainly been educated today. I've heard some new acronyms that I've gotten written down, heard some new ways of thinking and ways of working, um, what offsetting is and is it good or bad? Hope everyone remembers that it's good. And I like the idea of asking these questions of our partners. And one of the most consistent things that I kind of end our day with is thinking, hey, wildlings of OMD, go out, explore, be adventurers, find what's hard and what's neat. Because ultimately those, those things that are, that are shortcuts, if they were easy, they would just be the way, right? And so sometimes you have to make the, the hard paths to find the, the fruit. Look, I'm I'm really excited for, for listeners to hear this one. If I haven't said that enough today, I'm going to say it one last time because you also used a phrase in here that I thought was really interesting. And that phrase was from Amanda. He said, be skeptical. We have some really, really great skeptics in clients and in employees. I think that that skepticism is how we get to the root of the truth and find some interesting ways of, of moving forward. And uh, you know, skepticism is not always uh, a bad thing as it may be seen in, in the world. It can be a really positive thing. So thank you for putting that word on the table as well. And so with that, um, great conversation today. We really got head, head first into greening, but we came out of it, uh, I think, much cleaner uh, understanding, pun intended, of, of where we can go. So thank you again for, for joining. You know, that's a, a wrap for this episode. Thank you, listeners, for staying curious and skeptical and listening to OMD Red Talks. We will see you on the next one.